Friends, welcome to the Hi, I'm Anxious podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dahl, and today we're going to discuss part four of five of a special series with my friend and coach, Dr. Lisa Hartwell. If you missed parts one through three, make sure you go back and listen to them. Dr. Hartwell is an anxiety specialist who helps ambitious professionals and women in business, just like you and me, to create an easier life, even with anxiety. She'll teach us to create an anxiety master plan that can help us stop the cycle of anxiety. Let's dig into part four of five of this series with Dr. Hartwell so you can learn to create an anxiety master plan for your life. Hey, are you a high achiever who struggles with perfectionism? Do you get stuck in the cycle of overthinking? Do you do everything for everyone else because you think otherwise it won't get done? Do you feel like you should come with a disclaimer? Hi, I'm anxious. (laughs) Hey, I'm Katie. Full disclosure, I'm not a therapist, doctor, or mental health professional. I'm just a career mama who also struggles with anxiety. For me, anxiety reared its head at the most inconvenient times, when I wanted to be present with my family, at those high-pressure business meetings, when I was laying in bed awake at night worrying instead of sleeping. I just wanted to relax and be able to have fun, and I know that you do too. What if you found tools to manage your anxiety? What if you knew how to enjoy life even though you are anxious? Look, it's time to put down that third cup of coffee and swap it for some lemon water. We're going to get control over anxiety so it can stop controlling you. Let's go, girl. Friends, welcome back. We're on day four of five. We're doing a series with Dr. Lisa Hartwell. If you have missed the first three episodes, definitely go back and listen to those. And if you want more information about Dr. Hartwell and how to connect with her, I'll have those in the show notes for you. So thanks for being with us, Dr. Hartwell. Absolutely. We're on day four. I hope everybody's uh, getting something out of this. It's been fun to chat about high-functioning anxiety and some solutions for everyone. Yeah, I don't know how you could not... I mean, we've talked about a lot, but I feel like it's all so manageable and doable so far. So we talked about recognizing if you might have anxiety, you offered up a quiz to assess mm-hmm. your anxiety. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, I did. I developed a quiz actually earlier this year. Uh, so folks can find out where they're on their continuum of where high functioning anxiety falls for them in the continuum of stress to HFA to clinical anxiety to burnout. And uh, it's just a way to ground yourself on where you fall that continuum so you know when to reach out, when it's time to actually reach out and get some support. Perfect. Yeah. And we we also talked about, you know, recognizing when you're anxious and taking time to stop and assess yourself on that scale of one to 10, where mm-hmm. you ultimately want to be on that scale of one to 10, maybe like a three, as opposed to any higher than that. Yeah. Knowing that if you're reaching three, four, five, consistently within a two-week basis, you might want to get some help. But also, once you recognize where you are, figuring out what's triggering you, and also assessing where you're at on that continuum from uh, one side of the continuum being stress all the way to the other side, which is burnout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when we ended last time, we talked about moving forward, right? What yeah. we, things that we can do on a daily basis to help us with our anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so on day four, we're looking at applying HFA or high functioning anxiety skills to help you grow and develop daily. 
as opposed to waiting until something happens or that you're triggered. And, you know, just as a recap, we, we're kind of looking at these stages as, you know, like iterations a bit. So the first step that we went over, which is anchor, which is shifting your mindset into a growth mindset, as well as using anxiety as your ally, that is really there to help and to serve you in your soul's purpose. And then the second layer that we talked about is really assessment, which is talking about using a quiz or uh, going over with a professional or a friend or a colleague or a coach or somebody that can help you assess where you're at. And then the third one, of course, is apply. And how do you apply your high functioning anxiety skill set so you can help move through your life with which much more ease and one of the quotes that I have that I wanted to kind of share with you folks today was whenever we think about overwhelm as being a marker for especially high functioning anxiety and you want it to be something that is tangible that it's not something that's an esoteric term you really can just concretely say I'm overwhelmed with everything that I have to do. But one of the things I always come back to is an organized mind is a calm mind and a calm mind is an organized mind. Mm. And I always like to think about that in terms of, I think it was two shows we talked about the C-130 flying through uh, hurricane tracking. And there's this idea of when you're in the middle of a storm or you're in the middle of a situation that's creating this higher functioning anxiety process for you, it's only when you can get to the calm state of mind, the the irony, that you can flip it around and have a calm state of mind. And so I want to kind of make sure we kind of ground ourselves in that thought that they go hand in hand, that an organized mind is a creates that calmness and is a calm mind and in turn a calm mind is an organized mind so when you're thinking about reaching for the right thing that's really what i'm hoping folks get out of this series mostly making sure you're reaching for the right tool set and the right goal as opposed to for instance treating anxiety so how do you how do you know what the quote right goal is or the right tools to be using? Is it individualized? Is it something you can decide for yourself? Well, and I think that's where the anxiety mastery plan for life comes in is we really, our anxiety is so nuanced. It's so individual that I think it's really important to match up the intervention that works best for you. That's interesting you say that. I have found it to be really fascinating, the number of high-achieving women I've talked to that all have anxiety, and some of the anxieties are the same, but they're also different, or they Mm -hmm. have different levels or, like you said, nuances to them. So it, Mm -hmm. it is a common issue and relatable, but I think really is individual to the person. Yeah. Most definitely. Sometimes it comes across, you know, a lot of people, I think when they think of uh, high functioning anxiety, especially in professionals, they think of frenetic. They -hmm. think of sort of that frenzied "Ah," little chicken running around the the office or, you know, in the environment and losing their minds or maybe they're yelling at people because they're anxious about something or 
you know, maybe they're closing the door in their office and they're hiding. So everyone's different. And that kind of comes from personality. That's really how some people cope is how their character, their personality is. But when it's rooted in anxiety, when it's rooted, especially in high functioning anxiety, which remember is related to a situation, not pervasive. It's not like you're walking around anxious all day. It's more related to a situation. Your, your character is going to come through. But the idea is that you, you immediately start recognizing and using discernment that, oh, I'm actually feeling anxious more than I'm angry more than I'm overwhelmed, I'm actually feeling anxious. And I need to do something about that right now. And can you train yourself to do that to recognize, okay, oh, I have literally been physically charging around the office all day. (laughs) And it's because I'm anxious. So right, right, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And then that's where the interventions and the practice of it daily comes in of figuring that out for you. As an example, I'll give you would be not everybody enjoys mindfulness and meditation. You know, I have my little toolbox, my sort of mental toolbox. It's a toolbox, a metaphorical toolbox that I have on my chair. And I always say, I have this box of tools down here, but I don't know which one I need for you yet. So let's talk about this. And sometimes I'll bring out the wrong tool and a, and a client will say, ah, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> and I'll be great. Let's put that one back. I have another one down here. Let's try You won't know until you know yourself. And one of the things, for instance, is a lot of folks have a hard time with uh, meditations because of the chatter, the mental chatter. And so it just doesn't work for them. For the ones that have mental chatter and you cannot calm your mind and your body down through meditation or guided imagery or even hypnosis, a movement is the best antidote for you. Movement. Move your body, move the anxiety through your body, get your body moving. And that could be as simple as going for a walk. That could be as simple as taking a bathroom break, go making yourself a cup of tea. I've seen people do jumping jacks in the office. Um, Anything that works for you, but that would be more rooted in movement. And the idea is you're looking at that pivotal moment of, the nuances of creating one neuron, remember, to change the pathway. You only need one. You only need a moment. You only need a behavior. You only need a thought. Once you pivot, your brain will follow. But in order to do that and get in that groove in the road that we talked about earlier in earlier episodes, you have to get into the other groove, much like turning your steering wheel. You got to turn the steering wheel to get into a different groove. I have caught myself related to that. I think literally saying to myself in my head, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm Mm. just so overwhelmed. So Mm. is that an example of kind of what you're describing that that might be that groove I'm in, but all it might take to get out of it is a moment of recognition. And then what is that practice I'm going to use? Am I going to sit down and assess myself on that scale of zero to 10? Am I going to, take a quick bathroom break. Yeah. And, or I would encourage you actually the pivotal neuron might sound more like, wow, I'm feeling so anxious right now. I wonder what I'm anxious about. Mm -hmm. I wonder just asking that simple question. I wonder, I wonder what I'm so anxious about. Am I 
am I not going to get something done? And I got to get out of here by four o'clock today because I got to pick up my kid. Because if I don't pick up my kid, you know, then then you're off and running. (laughs) Mm. So as opposed to saying, gosh, I wonder why I'm so anxious. Oh, wait a second. First of all, that's three hours from now. Second of all, let me think about what I could do differently and pull myself, remember, a calm mind is an organized mind. What can I do right now to put myself into a state of calm so I can have an organized mind and not feel so overwhelmed? And by shifting, just shifting, that's all you're trying to do. I don't know if, I think you guys have a boat, right? I think you've talked about we having do. a boat before, right? Yeah. You know, when you're on the water, and this, well, this could apply to anything, paddle boarding, anything. Anytime you're turning on the water, cruise ships are notorious for this. Just a little shift. They're not up there going, well, you can't see me, but, you know, <laughs> turning the steering wheel. And so you can shift this big ship. Oh, no, it's a it's a tiny little turn, isn't it? And next thing you know, you're changing that trajectory of your direction. It's the so same what is- thing. What does it look like or feel like or sound like to have an organized mind? If you feel like you're not used to that concept and think, oh, I'm constantly. Oh, <laughs> I love that question. That's such a good question. What does it feel like to have an organized mind? Does it feel, is that what you describe when you talk about like being at a zero? So when I'm at a zero, that is when my mind is organized or is it something else? I think, I think I would still come back to the feeling part of it, which is, I got this. I got this. That even though I got a lot going on, I got this. Mm, I love that. Does that make, I feel like that's more simple for a brain that is trying to pull you off track. And frankly, remember, it's pulling you off track because it wants to protect you. It does not want you to be uh, uncomfortable. Mm. So and when you're overwhelmed, remember, you're not always anxious when you're overwhelmed. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed because you got a lot of stuff to do, got a lot of tasks to do. But that doesn't always equal anxiety. No. But right. And so when anxiety kicks in, it's because your brain all of a sudden was, oh, my gosh, she needs help. She's going to lose it if she has one more thing on her plate. In comes your anxiety tapping you on the shoulder. And then all of a sudden you start feeling anxious. It feels different. I like which that. Which is lose your focus a little bit. I mean, for me, you lose your focus a little bit. For me, I can, my breath gets shorter. I can notice my breath is, is more shallow. My heart doesn't really race until I'm really anxious. So for me, that nuance is I can just feel like I can feel myself going mm. like sighing. I can, that's how mind shifts. Like, oh, that's anxiety. That's not just overwhelm anymore. Okay, it's time for a break. (laughs) Let me just get out of this rut, get out of this groove in the road. And that's where you can use your frontal cortex to decide to use these daily exercises, if you will. Daily practices. And Mm -hmm. then the the daily practice will help you create create that new pathway. Yay. Oh my God awesome summary. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And then the beautiful thing is, here's what happens. 
our brains are not just neuron pathways up there. They're not just cells that are connected to each other. In order for those cells to talk to each other, it's chemistry, it's biochemistry up there. Once you have a new neuron pathway, your brain chemistry can actually change too and shift. Now you're born with the brain chemistry that you have. That's why some people are just born with endogenous depression and anxiety because it's passed down genetically. But on the other hand, you still have some empowerment and some control over how significant it impacts your life. And by creating positive neuron pathways that send you into this growth mindset on a daily basis, you can actually work on shifting that balance of your brain chemistry, which I think is so exciting to watch. And of course, I'm a nurse at heart too, right? So I completely advocate if people need medication, but lots of folks can go down on their medication dosages because of side effects or even go off of it if they want to. Sometimes you need that as a boost so you can feel better, so you can do better. I love that. So even despite, you know, here you hear people talk about um, nature versus nurture, although you might be born with brain chemistry that predisposes you to feeling anxious or depressed, you can nurture yourself through this process to feel 100%, better. 100%. So it's nature and nurture. That's exactly Amazing. right. Well, and that's the, the combination of having a professional help you guide guide that process. That would be why it's always helpful to use both. But lots of folks go to their PCP, their primary care physician, because remember what we talked about in the beginning, it's no longer about treating just your anxiety. This is about recognizing that your anxiety is there to help you grow. Mm. It's your messenger. It, it really is your messenger. And, and, and if you're only one. taking... Yes, exactly. And if you're only taking medication, you're never going to learn the message and your soul is going to continue to push you until you listen to what its purpose has for you. It's its only way as a human being to get our attention. So interesting. I also, I think about maybe sometimes you might know the right thing to do but you're not going to do it. Is that being stuck in, in your rut? This Okay, I know I probably should take a minute to assess where I'm at using that scale of zero to 10, but instead I'm just going to charge ahead into the next activity mm. because I feel so overwhelmed. Is, is that uh, an example of when you might be just staying in that rut? Yeah, and whenever that would happen, I think you just answered your own question, but I think it's also about a question to ask yourself is what purpose does this serve me? There's, there's something in our nuances as being human that serves us when we continue on the same path mm. and personal and professional growth is always about how is this serving me again? It's not serving me anymore. I love that. So rather than, you know, charging head to the next tax, task doing the thing you know that will make you feel better like stopping to celebrate that little win yeah exactly and if you you, you keep I think you I've heard you say that a few times is I think until we stop mm. a, a, and the stopping doesn't have to be forever stopping it can be a moment to stop but we have to stop we have to stop we have to listen we have to ask mm. 
in my world, you have to pray, you have to be grounded, you have to get yourself anchored to be able to shift and to be able to pivot. And I think that and that, that is... comes from choice, right? That comes from we're still human beings. We still have a choice with the free will, right? Yeah. I think that that, since you mentioned that being a high achieving woman with anxiety, you're probably always going physically and mentally. And even when you're sitting still physically, your brain is, Mm. oh, I got to do this, this and that. And I got to worry about this, this and that. And that's, Mm. you mentioned, like, for example, someone might struggle with meditation because they're struggling with quieting the mind, but there's alternatives for them. So there's something for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking when you were given that example earlier too, is one of the things I have to catch myself in that exact realm. And it's not usually rooted in anxiety as much as it is, I would say a habit, but sometimes when we're in the groove, we don't know we're in the groove until we have an external cue. And for me, it would be when our 12 year old son wants to share something that happened probably in the moments when my brain is what you just described, which is I'm doing the to-do list in my head. I'm or I'm thinking about something maybe that happened that day. And he'll in that moment somehow knows how to come up and engage in me with me. And I can feel myself almost being pulled out of a tunnel. It's really an interesting phenomenon that I've learned about myself as as tapping into that external cue of pulling me out of my overthinking, which is being present-minded, right, with your kid. And because it could be, hopefully he doesn't listen to this, it could be nonsensical (laughs) stuff, (laughs) but it could be just something he's sharing for the day. But it's important to him. And I always want him to be able to know that he can come and just you know, we call it Vala out here, talk story or just share with what's going on with his day. And I want to make sure I'm present minded for that. I don't want him to be in. Oh, God, I, to say this, I don't want him being in therapy in 30 years. And my mom never <laughs> listened to me. <laughs> right? She was a psychologist. <laughs> that, yeah, that's part of the impetus of why we do what we do to <laughs> help ourselves and help our kids. Like we yeah. mentioned in another episode, I, I think too, about how, you know, I have younger kids, but if they want attention and they're not getting it, they are going to escalate until they get it. And your anxiety does the same thing, right? Like, okay, you're not paying attention at a three. I'm going to bump you to a four and a five and a six until you stop. Right. And that would be the primitive uh, brain development that I alluded to earlier in the um, shows, which was, you know, at the end of the day, anxiety in its core is a pretty primitive response. And, you know, kids are pretty much cavemen and women, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that they don't know much except other than how they feel and they are going to escalate until they get their point across. And I always like to think about anxiety as that, that, okay, I I got you. I got you. I hear you. I'm going to take care of it. We're good. We're partnering here. We're good. I think it's interesting you mentioned that because is is that kind of what we're trying to do is you you mentioned kids they know don't know much besides what they feel but if you are pushing aside your feelings and emotions consistently that's when your anxiety is going to crop up you're not attending to those needs yes the irony is is exactly that yeah so what else do we need to know about 
these daily skills or habits to help us grow things, things that we should be developing or doing or working on? You know, I think, again, this would be an individual process, but I think the best way to get started is tracking and tracking can be anything tracking. I'm a bit of a scientist at heart, so you can't do anything unless you have data to manage and create collecting and creating data, a data source file, so to speak for on yourself is probably the best place to start. And that can take on a multitude of different ways. That's easy for you. It could be a daily tracking in your phone, you know, on a notepad, there are a ton of anxiety apps that you could download and track and rate yourself. You could do a quick journaling um, on a daily basis. I always encourage people if they're going to do a journaling process to collect data is to do journal prompts or a little bit easier, which is three blessings that happened today. Uh, One area that I was able to recognize when my anxiety was starting, I was able to get it from a three down to a one through whatever practice. Another one would be just picking one behavior and implementing it on a daily basis. And remember, uh, it takes about 30 days for a habit to form for a new neuron pathway. So maybe picking one behavior every day that you practice. And that could be something as simple as setting the alarm on your phone or your watch. Every two hours, you stop and you just take three deep breaths. Mm. And you don't attach it to anything else other than practicing a deep breath is going to be linked to helping you be calm. But then if you're going to be doing that every two hours while you're at work, can you imagine the collective effect of now, let's just do the math, every two hours in an eight-hour, 10-hour day? Yeah, three, four, five times. Right? From zero, from not doing that at all. It's going to become habit and you won't even need an alarm pretty soon. That neuron pathway, you're going to find yourself every two hours taking a deep breath. I love that. Yeah, so, it's pretty so simple. Yeah, that's a simple one. Taking a, I always uh, tell my clients that I don't have any time to walk. I'm like, yeah, you, you know what? Just go out and walk five minutes. And when you walk back, guess what? That's another five minutes. That counts. Take a 10 minute walk three times a day. They actually did a study here at one of the hospitals um, many years back. And it was in their lean program. And they uh, uh, collected data on the amount of uh, weight and health changes that people experienced by different uh, choices of walking. So every uh, 10 minutes, three times an hour, two 30 minutes walks a day, or one 60 minute walk a day. And they were all the same. It's amazing. No difference. So it gets, you get to choose. <laughs> so you can, it's whatever you do. So if you're doing your 10 minute walks multiple times a day, 30 minutes twice a day, or 60 minutes once a day. This makes me think of, um, I like to talk about habits stacking. Um, yes. yes. So, yes. you know, what is it that you're already doing and how can you attach a new habit that you want to form to it? So 
I've always been pretty good about drinking water. And when you drink water, you go to the bathroom. So that's how I get my movement in during the day. I run to the break room and refill my water. And then I stop in the restroom so I could add in, you know, maybe once I step inside the restroom, just take a minute to take those three deep breaths Mm. and then do what I was going to do anyway and leave. Yeah. 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 That's an excellent example. And boy, um, you know, the phenomenon of Apple watches and, you know, Android and phones with the steps nowadays has really changed people's lives because it, again, it's concrete data and humans do better with data in front of them too. So they know they're changing something. We're in a very much a gamification world right now. So all of that stuff is built into apps nowadays. So there's so many choices. Um, And it could be something as simple as maybe another example would be maybe you have a best friend or your spouse or somebody that you feel close to that every day you're going to check in with them for a five or 10 minute phone call. And because of that closeness and that lifting you up and that orchard mentality of taking care of each other, that creates that sense of calm again. Much like in the first episode, I think we talked about you spending a Sunday afternoon in in the living room with your family and and capturing what that sense of calm feels like, that everything feels absolutely normal and and comfortable. Your body feels comfortable. There's It doesn't have to be exercise. It doesn't have to be anything monumental. It just has to be enough of a habit created practicing on a daily basis that it's a pivot Mm -hmm. just like when you're turning the steering wheel on the water it will change the trajectory once that trajectory starts shifting those neuron pathways don't have to work as hard to keep your brain chemistry in balance to help you feel better the serotonin dopamine all those sorts of things right you feel better you do better you it, you just everything is is cascading and and um, uh, results in the positive changes and the growth that we're looking at. So simple, something so simple. Mm. Maybe not necessarily easy, but it can just be like you said, this small shift that will have this huge impact. impact. Either way, yeah, yeah, and it's just helpful to to have you know somebody to partner with. I think that's the thing. Is it's I think the, what's hard when I when I always want this to be with ease with folks is I would say that it's, it's easier on yourself. If you do partner with somebody to do that with, and like I said, whether it be a colleague or a friend or a family member, or again, an, an anxiety coach, um, you know, when you have that support that can cheerlead you on and also help you course correct on days when you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> another pair of eyes or another pair of ears is so beneficial. Yeah. And I like that mm. there's a little accountability to that too, because mm. if you have a plan that you're going to do that on a daily basis, you, that person expects you to check in with, with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Very behavioral, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's two parts. Like I said, the science and soul, I'm all about the soul and I love the soul process and I love the spiritual conversations we have, but at the end of the day, we're biological beings and we have to respect the science behind what it takes to grow. 
Yeah. And I love too that focusing on using a partner might pull you out of some of those habits that entrench you in anxiety too, which can be isolating, feeling like you're alone. Yes, absolutely. Which is what your podcast has been amazing because people get to feel normalizing their experience. I love that. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. You are absolutely not alone. I'm not alone. And what an amazing thing, even if you're not alone in your misery, (laughs) because misery (laughs) loves company, like you aren't alone. And I just love that you offer the coaching and the message of hope too. You're not alone. This, this doesn't have to be hopeless. You don't have to be helpless. You can feel hope and use these little habits, these daily yeah. Daily actions. There is no magic you. pill. It, 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 there is no, there, the magic is the togetherness. Mm. The magic is in us living each other and lifting each other up. I love that. Mm-hmm. So well said. The magic is in the togetherness. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank so, you. You ready to wrap it up in the next episode? For our- yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, um, so let's do it. You know, we I just want to kind of recap today. We were we were focusing on those daily habits. And I, I love that there's room for you to individualize it to you, right? Mm-hmm. So what what works for you? Don't be afraid to try things. It's it's not magic. There's no perfect formula. Just try something, no matter how small. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that can change everything. Mm. Amazing. Well, thank yes. you. Thank you for this. I so appreciate it. I can't wait. Next up, we're talking about creating our anxiety master plan for life. Absolutely. Let's do it. See you in the next one. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, Dr. Lisa. Aloha. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and please make sure to join us tomorrow for part five of five of this series to create an anxiety master plan for life. Also, please come join my free Facebook group so you can share how you'll work to create your own anxiety master plan for life. You can find the link to the Facebook group in the show notes. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Hey friend, thanks for being here. Did today's episode help you feel more in control of your anxiety? Did it inspire you to rest or relax? Or maybe it challenged you to really look at why anxiety is a part of your life. If so, I'd love to hear from you. If you would take 30 seconds, pause this episode, scroll down in Apple Podcasts, and leave me a review, I would be so grateful. See you next week. Disclaimer, I am not a medical professional, and this podcast is not providing therapy or medical treatment. Contents of the podcast are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult your healthcare provider with your health questions and concerns.